What's up, everybody? Yeah. We're back. Oasis Podcast coming in hot with Brennan and then... My name is Ben. Ben and then... <laughs> Jaina. Good old pal Jaina. We're all here. No, that was... I gave no, you it's a fine. Ben. I gave you a Ben. It's fine. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Only up from here, am I right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, on, on this week of the podcast, we're going to throw it back to what is young adult college students favorite topic ever it's a classic it's a classic mm-hmm. and, and i get it i mean i get it why probably people like it but we love to talk romance rom-coms nicholas mm-hmm. sparks zach efron all the yeah. stuff Is that it? that's it <laughs> i don't know why i associate zach efron with ro- romance yeah i don't either i mean but. you must watch a ton of high school musical when you're younger. he's only in like one or two he's rom-coms, actually he's not in a though. ton of rom-coms not yeah, yeah. what's the like one two he's or in three. though it's the one where he is a the cowboy. No, no, no. He is a, um, I think a veteran that he comes back and is finding jobs, and he's with the gal on the farm. No, yeah, with the dogs. Yeah, she has Thank the you. horses. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Jaina. I just watched it with Ali not that long ago. Get crushed. No so. Yeah, no, no, no. And so there you go. Like yeah, she's like fifteen years older than him in real life. <laughs> Don't love that. Why? What's wrong with that? Man, why are you such a hater? Uh, <laughs> I'm on fire today, guys. I feel Anyways, good. So we're going to dive into this. Good. And we're going to talk romantic relationships. And we're going to go from singleness to dating to engaged to married. <laughs> and we're going to give you a passage of scripture to talk about and think about there and just to reflect on or read through privately if you'd ever want to come back to it. And then we're going to give you just a couple pieces of advice that we've from teaching this over the years, from going through it ourselves to just counseling a lot of people and when they come with their questions about dating and engagement and singleness and stuff. So the first thing we want to do, though, is anytime we hit a, a good podcast topic. We love to just roll with a little bit of a mixer question that oftentimes has very little to do with the topic, but is a terrible transition into the material. <laughs> and That's so good. the same is happening this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to tell a little bit of a date story. So it can be your first date. It can be a blind date. It could be <laughs> whatever date you want to tell. But I just, I just want to hear, like, I don't know if I've heard these stories. I'd love to just see... What's it been like dating Ben and Jaina? <laughs> That's a weird way to put it. That was that was interesting. <laughs> it's okay. I That's did fine. like it though. <laughs> I can go first since yes, you're both looking go. at me. Um, I don't have a ton of date stories, but I in high school, my best friend set me up with her boyfriend's best friend. And so oh. the four of us hung out quite a bit. It was fine. He was chill. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Good company, whatever. So then one time he was like hey, do you want to like hang out with me, just the two of us? And I was like, sure. So we're driving. He picked me up. We're driving to his house. And he's like, hey, would you like want to like be my girlfriend? And I was like, sure, why oh, not? Oh, wow. You know? And so we get to his house. Bold. It's his entire family. Yes. Aunts, uncles, grandparents. They're having like a family yes. reunion. I'm there for three hours. He's introducing me and his, oh, as his girlfriend to his whole family. And it was so uncomfortable. And then after <laughs> when he drove me home, I was like... I'm not really sure about this. Oh. <laughs> I ripped the band-aid. <laughs> and Rip I broke up with them. <laughs> I I prefer that than you staying in it more than you should. If yeah. you know, like, this Ooh. is not. It's Ooh. one of those things where we probably, it probably could have worked out really well if he hadn't done that, like, well, right off the bat. But. <laughs> I see it, though, because the man, he went oh. and picked you up. The boy, he went and yeah, picked yeah. you up. That's, we were in high that's school. That's we the were, correct. Like, and 15. <laughs> he's thinking, how am I about to introduce, how am I going to introduce yep. this female yeah to all of my family your whole family and so he shot his shot <laughs> he secured it for that three hours yeah and then now he has to explain to all of his family members his whole family <laughs> <laughs> that's not actually my girlfriend anymore 
<laughs> yeah, next family reunion was terrible. Yeah, that's a tough go. He's married now and has a couple kids. So <laughs> I think he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. So. <laughs> ben, what do you think? You I yeah. So I've shared my first date story with Abby. I'm not going to share that one. The Perkins one. I had diarrhea. It wasn't fun. Um, <laughs> there was there was a moment that uh, I got to take my daughter on our first date. Uh-huh. And so like we've, we've been trying to be more intentional with this in the last couple of years of just like having intentional one-on-one time with our kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Otis is still too young yet. But when Alice is about three years old, it was like close to pre, it was pre-pandemic, like a month before the world shut down. And I was like, hey, let's have like an actual like morning. Let's get dressed. We'll go to... We'll go to Perkins because she doesn't like Cottonwood. <laughs> Otherwise, we would have gone to Cottonwood. I was like, we'll go to Perkins. Like I talked about it with Abby the night before. I was like, I'm going to take this and just do this with Alice. It's going to be fun. It's just going to be morning for, for dad, and, dad and daughter. And the morning we woke up and she was just pissed and angry at the world. <laughs> she didn't want to do anything. Woke up mad. She woke up angry and just like, I don't want to do anything. I want to stay home because Wesley's going to be home and mom's going to be home. I don't want to go with you. All these things. <laughs> It was horrible. Like, I felt like a terrible human being because, like, my own daughter didn't want to spend time with me. But I got her with, I told her, Al, we're going to go to Perkins and I'll get you as much chocolate milk as you want. I bribed my daughter there to go on a tea with me <laughs> with chocolate milk. And we went, and it was great. Mm-hmm. It was a ton of fun. You just she had to get her out of the house. Yeah. Had to get her out of the house. But man, the start was not a good start. It's the same thing with me and Al. <laughs> You bribe her with chocolate milk. Apple cider. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So, but it Come was an Al. Ended you can, great. You can have all the apple, apple cider you yeah. want. Yeah. Let's go hang out with yeah. the people. Ended up being fun, but started That's terribly. <laughs> I was trying to think of when my first date was. And really, I didn't really go on a ton of like actual dates because I started dating in like way too early in middle school and, and uh, high school but i do remember one in fifth grade it was dang near dang <laughs> yeah. near an actual date well my almost first date was in third grade oh god isn't this crazy almost one of my buddies his mom wanted to set me and him up on a double date with a set of twins perfect and she want yes this You're is in weird. third grade third grade and, and she wanted mom, us the four mom? of us to go see the hannah montana movie when it came <laughs> yeah. out yeah you guys remember that Miley Cyrus. yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah best of both worlds <laughs> yeah so that was my almost first date. But then my pretty much real first date was fifth grade. The school used to rent out the roller skating rink yes. in Sioux Falls. And so Colden the hands. whole oh, grade yeah. we get oh, to go yeah. from that. And you, yeah, hold hands and oh, skating. Pickles, and, pickled mm-hmm. ice. We had an argument. It's just and so I had a girlfriend at the time. We emailed all the time. <laughs> I didn't have yes. a cell phone. She didn't have a cell phone, but we emailed and it was awesome. Mm, I remember those days. I was I loved Yahoo. It was the greatest thing ever. You were emailing in fifth grade? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know what a computer was in fifth grade. Yeah, but different generations. That's fair. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but we went to the skating place and her mom almost didn't let her come because her mom knew and mm. she said, you only want to go because that boy's there. And so she <laughs> yeah, came and boy. we skated together a couple times. And I kept catching her mom watching me skate. Yeah, scary. Incredibly terrifying. Yep. So, but it lasted for a long time. What's a long time in fifth grade years? Like a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We were in love though. Go. My first kiss that was in boy. second grade on the playground. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Super unhealthy way like to start romantic relationship. Yeah, it was. There. I had a lot of baggage going into uh, what r- relationship looked like when I became a follower of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope you enjoyed those as much as I did because that was awesome. <laughs> Great stories. 
So the first one we're going to talk about when we're actually diving in is I would like to just chat about singleness. What? So what, what we're going to do is we just want to give you a biblical passage. So what if you're going to talk singleness, what would be something you would point to someone biblically just to be like, hey, go there, yeah. look at this. I mean, what's awesome is we preached on this twice in the last two years. And so we go straight to the singleness text, which is 1 Corinthians 7. And we're going to read it here. It's verses 32 to 35. <clears throat> it says, I would like you to be free from concern. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How can he please the Lord? But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world. How can he please his wife? And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. And so we talk about this idea of in first Corinthians seven, even in the start of the chapter in verses, I don't know, six to nine, something like that. Mm-hmm. Paul literally calls saying this a gift, yeah. a gift from God, which is really beautiful. I think really good just to start there. Um, but also again, before these specific verses that I just read, he talks about this idea that our singleness, like the desire and passion for marriage in singleness is not wrong. Like, it's okay to still have that desire, but to recognize in the season of life of singleness, the, giving you as a gift from the Lord, it's for undivided devotion to Jesus. And it's yeah. super good. It's like, okay, here's, and, and that's good. And I talked about a couple of years ago, I just remember this idea of what we tend to want to do in whatever season of life we're in, talking about romantic relationships, whether I'm in a sing, season of singleness or a season of dating, is we tend to look at what season I'm not in and recognize and Mm. uplift the positives of that. And so like I want, I tend to miss out or we tend to miss out on the blessings of our season that we're in now by yearning and looking toward or wanting the blessings of what we're not in. And so just in singing is like, Hey, undivided devotion. I'm married. I have a wife. I have three kids. There's devotion and attention that I have to give based because I love Jesus Mm -hmm. that I have to give to them that I can't give to solely Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's just the reality of it. That's great. Yeah. So in that, after we talk about a biblical passage, you can go there. You can go. I think the podcast is, oof, I'm not even going to guess. But it, we have a podcast called Singleness. You yeah, can go 23. back and listen to that. No, it's not 23. <laughs> That'd be crazy. I hope it, it is. Right. But uh, you can go back and listen to that, read through the passage. But otherwise, what other practical pieces of advice would you say that are like maybe just wise counsel? Maybe it takes off of a biblical idea. Like what would you just tell the people when we're shooting a couple ideas at them about singleness? Yeah. Uh, invest deeply where you are. Um, like Ben already said, you have less things that require responsibility as far as relationships. You don't have a spouse, you don't have kids, or you might, maybe, I don't know, yeah. but likely likely you don't. And so with that free, that time that you have, invest deeply, invest that time in the Lord, invest that time in friendships and community, maybe step into intentionally discipling someone or being intentionally discipled by someone, depending on where you're at. And yeah, invest in yourself in that process of, as well. Yeah, and I think one piece of advice, I was reading a book over the, the summer, and he, he was talking about how commonly in ministry, but I think this is true in most places, they value family, mm-hmm. and so married mm-hmm. people guard yeah. their family time really well, but we don't value singleness, and so we don't value singleness time very that's well. Yeah, that's and so, good. so single people, if you're listening to this, like make sure you're guarding that time too. Like mm-hmm. You're not the person that has to work 60 hours every week. You're not the person that has to do every task or finish every chore or do all of these things. Like you can guard your own time too. Like your time is just as valuable as a married person's time. Yeah. And so I thought that was really impactful for me when I was hearing that. Super good. 
Ben, you got anything else you want to add here? It's all great. Cool. I think, I mean, just, I, yes, always. We should probably <laughs> keep this shorter, but I don't want to. This is the idea of even what undivided devotion means. The word devotion in the Greek, it means good and beside. And so it's a season for you to get really good at being beside Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so just take that time. Be in, yeah, have intentionality in it. It's, it's what Jana said of this yeah. idea of invest deeply. Um, and I love that idea too of like family. What does that look like for you in this season? Yeah, because oh, family, yeah, man. change the definition of what Absolutely. we commonly family. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's great. Next one? Yeah. Dating. So dating. who wants to do the dating passage? You want me to do it? Okay. Yeah, go for it. So I, I don't believe in dating. <laughs> <laughs> It's not biblical. I don't see it in the Bible. <laughs> Great what? segue into the, the, the te- text I'm about to read. So dating is not a construct that is seen in the Bible. If you didn't know, dating began only about 120, 130 years ago. And so before that, there was different ways of courtship or different ways of arranging for people to be married. And so when we read the text, you're never going to find a passage that says anything about dating. However, what the Bible teaches us is how to live life in accordance with Jesus and in life with others. And so that inherently teaches us how we should date. And so the passage that we've picked is from Matthew 22, and it's verses 37 through 39, and it's the two greatest commandments. They come to Jesus, they say, hey, sum up the law, and he says, sum up the law, and these two things. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Other translations will add, and with all your strength. And then it says, this is your great first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so when Jesus is saying this back to them, he's summarizing all the 613 laws of the Old Testament. He's summarizing the Ten Commandments. He's summarizing all that down into two simple things. That is, people, our, our goal, our desire, our purpose, our calling is to love God with everything we got, all of who we are, and to love people the same, and to love them just as much. And so those two come hand in hand. And when I look to dating, I feel like this can be a passage of scripture that can point us in the right direction. So that if we get into relationships where we're boyfriend and girlfriend, then it becomes, how, do, how am I loving the Lord with everything that I got? And how am I loving them as someone who's a, a, a neighbor, a brother or sister, and someone who has the image of God on them? And so I love them with the same kind of passion and zeal and protection. So just think it's, it's good Christian advice, but it's great dating advice because Christian mm-hmm. advice can be dating advice. Yeah. So, so practical advice off of that one? Yeah, I think, um, again, we, this is stuff that we said before. A season of singleness is for allegiance to Jesus, and we talk about dating as a season of assessment. Mm-hmm. So even as you're pursuing wanting to date someone, it's recognizing what's the overall purpose. But the priority, even what, what Brennan just said, is this idea of I'm still pursuing shaping my character as a follower of Jesus, as, as I love God well. And I think what's really cool is we go through moments and things in our life that once I understand what Jesus has done for me, it allows me to push into loving him with everything I am. And as I rest in God's love for me and love him better, I'm able to love other people better. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. as I'm walking around just in life, as I'm in a season of maybe dating someone else or when I'm pursuing wanting to date someone else, it's just remembering that idea of I want to make sure I'm doing everything I can to pursue Jesus holistically, yeah. period. And then, I mean, do you want to take the second of what I I haven't, I just, I want to talk about the idea of we tend to take on a consumer mentality when it comes to finding someone for dating. Hmm. And so in that it's, we, we want to find somebody that works for me. Like, okay, what fulfills or fulfills something within me that I'm missing? And so that's what I look for. But what that does is we set ourselves up to allow the significant other to be to us what only God can be to Mm -hmm. us. And so it's okay in, in dating, whether you found the person you think that you're in, in this assessment period of like, man, is this someone that I can be devoted to for the rest of my life? 
it's how do you allow yourself to love God more than you love the significant other yeah. or make sure you're not putting yourself in a position, which usually comes with expectations on the, in the relational aspect of who is this person to me and for me, yeah. like don't allow them to be what only Jesus can be for you. That's good. So good. You got anything you want to add on there? I don't know. No, <laughs> I would think I, I've heard this analogy and it kind of breaks down. If you break if you take any analogy, too far. but dating is like a job interview. Um, and mm. people always bring their best to the job interview mm. and nobody's going to show up and bring like their character flaws or, or act too casual in a job interview. And the same thing is true with dating. So you're, you are getting the best version of that person as you date. They're trying to bring their best because you're still trying to woo each other and try to like strengthen the relationship. And so we have to be really intentional in dating that when we see red flags or we see things start to creep in that maybe character flaws or different things like that. Like if they're on their best behavior and that's already leaking through, like mm -hmm. how do I just make sure that that's not who they are and not when I'm not with them or not when I, where they're not with me, are they still the same person they are when they're with me? Mm -hmm. And my greatest piece of advice in that would just be date in community and like see how they are around their friends, yeah. see the, how they are at their workplace, yep. see how they treat their family. And when you see some of that, it's not always the job interview type idea that they're dating you because they're in their authentic community and they're hopefully functioning as they normally would. Mm -hmm. Because if you're with them and they're with their roommates and you're in that group setting, their roommate's going to be like, why are you acting all different if they're on yeah. their best behavior and they don't normally act like that? But yeah. if it's mm -hmm. the same type of person, then I just help. It gives you greater clarity for me. Yeah, so. that's good. That's good. Next up. Yeah. Engaged. Engaged. Single dating. So engaged. when you have put the ring on it, <laughs> mm -hmm. you have not betrothed them, but our version of betrothal. <laughs> Bible joke. Uh, <laughs> Bible joke. Oh, What's the biblical so passage here? Yeah. I think the one that we probably would draw to first is Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, which uh, just simply say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Submit to him in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. So as you're kind of in this season of you've done the dating process, hopefully you've done it well, you've decided to make that commitment, but you're not fully there where the commitment is made and you get to continue into then that next season, you're kind of in this like limbo, almost kind of waiting season of in that process, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on him and submit all of your ways, your desires, your um, intentions to him first and foremost. That's good. Yeah. I, a piece of advice I would put in there is I would be patient but yet don't make it longer than it needs to be. It's, yeah, it's a good. tension of the two. Go as fast as you can, but as slow as you must. Because for me, as I reflect on my time, the dating period was the worst time of the relationship. Or sorry, sorry, the engagement time was the worst time of the relationship. Because dating is fun. You're getting to know each other. You're in your family. But engagement, you spend the whole time longing for a future day of marriage. Mm -hmm. yep. And so that's, that's just hard. You want to be there, but you're not there. You want yeah. to have the benefits of being yep. there, but you're not there. Yep. And so be patient and understand that like it will come. You just have to continue to invest and to trust God. But also like don't be engaged for oh, dude. a year and a half. Preach. Don't be engaged for Let's, two years. Oh, like yeah. if you're doing that, you're setting please. yourself up to not be patient and to, to fail and to not fight for purity and to not like prepare for marriage well because and, and I've seen people get engaged and married in two months. Yep. Like it's possible. Yep. Uh, so just look at your situation, yes. have good community around you, and yes. really consult your options. Yes. And make the thing that's the best decision for you. Yep. But be patient in it. Fight hard for purity. Yeah. Like you're so close. My thing, I'm going too long. Go, here, no, go, yeah. hit it. My thing is when I was in, when I was engaged, 
Satan does this thing where before you're married, the only one of his greatest tactics is to get you into bed with that other yep. person. Once you're married, his greatest tactic switches. It drastically flips, and he now wants to keep you out of the marriage bed. And so I, when I was in engagement, I just kept feeling overwhelmed and struck by this idea that I never wanted to get to marriage and look back and say I never overcame. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. where I was finally married and now I could do those things, yet when I was engaged or when we were dating, like I never was strong enough or never relied on God's help enough to overcome. And then I don't have a, I don't have a time to like fix that now, you know, cause that's not a struggle we would have anymore. You know, it would be in a different way. And so I just fight hard in that moment so that when you get to the marriage covenant, like when you have that night, when you look to the marriage in the future, you can look back and say it was worth it. And I had victory there and I can praise God yep. for his provision there hmm. and not look back with guilt and shame and be like, Hey, I can never fix that. Yeah, the one thing I would say to that is wherever you're at listening to this, if you have failed in the engagement process of this, there is forgiveness and there is redemption and there is Jesus. It's how do you continue to move forward while you're in the engagement process to continue to trust in Jesus in that moment. Um, And here's why it's hard. Mm -hmm. I also, like, I am not a fan. Like, we were engaged for nine months and I hated it. I think we did nine months too. And so, but for, for me, and I take this a little more aggressively, which, surprise, Why it's so difficult is you've already intellectually in your mind committed to the person. Yeah. That's what engagement has said. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you want to propose. If you really didn't believe, like, I struggle with the nine-month, one-year, one-and-a-half, two-year-long engagement. It's what are you still looking at to assess? Because you've already intellectually in your head decided, I'm going to commit my life to that person. Once you, when you know the covenant and understand the vows that you're to take, you wouldn't propose unless you're intellectually ready and know I can commit to this person. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean you're, it's not going to be difficult. Doesn't mean you may not come a, a, a across something that you in engagement that you didn't go through in dating. For sure. But it's mm-hmm. I've intellectually because I've recognized the character of the person. I've recognized who they are and their passion for Jesus. Like I, I know who they are to to a degree because you continue to learn. But in engagement, you've intellectually decided I'm going. I want to commit my life period. I'm going to choose every day to love this person. So why it's hard is once you've intellectually made that commitment, we're holistic beings, our emotions want to catch up and do, and then physically we want to catch up. And that's just the reality of who we are. And so yes, be patient. I love, I love the Ben Stewart saying of what goes fast as you can, but slow as you must. must. Yeah. Like that's real. So you got to know yourself, have people speak into that with you, mm-hmm. encourage you in that, help you in that. But just know like, also, don't ask someone to marry you if you really can't. Don't think you can make that commitment. Hmm. I, and that's yeah. where I'm at with it, mm-hmm. because yes, there's again things you're going to learn and see. But with what engagement says and means, it's 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 a promise now for what a promise I'm going to make in the mm-hmm. future. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I again, I, I lean more aggressively with it. No, and I think in that some of the tension people will feel like they're like, oh, but you don't understand. It takes two years to get a venue. It takes two years to get all these details done. And I would push back and this I would say, good. recognize what matters and what doesn't. That's so good. Yeah. You don't need the unicorn next to the river with the beautiful <laughs> fall setting. Like, you don't need all that. Like, what? it could be nice, but like, what matters? Like, preparing for marriage matters. Yes. Not fighting for purity matters. Yep. Being patient and trusting mm-hmm. God matters. Making sure that you're committing to that person matters. Like, where you get married won't matter in the end. 100%. But the date, the engagement period, if you do it right or if you do it wrong, matters. Yep. It sets you up for marriage. Yep. And so in that, I think your mindset should be, how am I preparing more for marriage in this time that we have than I am for the wedding? For the ceremony. For the ceremony. Yep. You mm-hmm. know, we spend nine months, a year, two years prepping for a one-day event. 
And we should spend that nine months, six months, three months prepping for a marriage. Like, Mm -hmm. how do we prepare to be the people who are committed in life for the forever? Like, what books are we reading? Who are we meeting with? What conversations are we having? What questions are we wrestling with? Like, what what are the things we need to have answered? One thing I think Mm -hmm. I'll throw in here, and this will this will throw a wrench in things, but I'm interested to hear your your opinion. So, commonly, people, especially culturally. Engagement signifies a period for them that solidifies the idea of cohabitation. Hmm. So it's like, again, we're almost there. We've made this commitment. Why wouldn't we just move in together? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't we just start what we would do in marriage nine months earlier? Who cares? What would we say about that? Like, how does that all play in? Like, I've already put a ring on it. I've already made the idea. I know I want to marry them. There's no, like, I just haven't done the exact, I haven't checked the box. I haven't signed the paper. And so why can't we live together? Or like, why would we maybe say that's not a great idea? So we're saying cohabitation is unbiblical. Are we? That's what what I want to (laughs) know. I would say yes. I would lean towards you shouldn't do it. Again, we look at scripture. There's nothing in scripture that says anything against cohabitation. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality. But what cohabitation brings is the opportunity to go into and do things that are preserved or saved for marriage. Preserved is the wrong word. Saved for marriage. And so it goes back to that idea of why wait, God blesses obedience. Hmm. I really do believe that. And in different ways, like what don't define blessing for what you think blessing means materialistically or worldly or culturally. Mm -hmm. There's something beautiful about willing, about committing to saving, even though you've intellectually decided about saving yourself for that moment of marriage to save what is, what God has defined as the biblical realities and sexuality for marriage. Mm -hmm. Like there's something just really beautiful about obedience and holiness in that moment, choosing like, no, I'm not going to, because I think God does bless that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. off of that, I, I feel like, again, someone's tension in that would be like, well, you're equal, you're putting cohabitation and sexual, like you put them hand in hand. Like someone may argue that I can cohabitate and not pursue sexual desires. And my, my hardship with that is you're not wired that yeah. way. No. Yeah. So you're not wired to sleep in the same bed as someone of the opposite sex and not have lustful thoughts or sexual temptation. Or want to have sex with them. Every exactly. single person Especially has been given a sex drive. Love. Yeah. Super yeah. good. And you think yes. it's attractive yeah. and you're in this relationship. Yeah. So like you are wired, your body will go through things. <laughs> I don't want to get too crazy on you, but that's the way we tick. That's how we function. So if you're able to sleep in the bed with someone for nine months or a year and never have sex with them, someone you love thinks be like let's that is not okay in my opinion and i think that's just again it's, or if like some even if you don't sleep in the same bed you sleep in different bedrooms like you share a bathroom and that person comes out of the bathroom in the towel or you see them in loungewear that's maybe not appropriate to go out of the house and those kind of things again like that just i feel like provides a greater opportunity for lustful thoughts and temptation that you yeah. don't need to step into mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so people will on the common side on the often other side of this say well cohabitation prepares me for marriage Uh, and i don't have the studies in front of me i wish but i just thought of this question right off but it actually doesn't if you were able to do some research the statistics that show couples who cohabitate actually have higher divorce rates and and breakup rates uh however what would the questions so sitting down and think of this what are the questions you would think would get answered by living with that person and how do you have those answered not living together Mm -hmm. like seriously like what would be a question that okay, if I live with this person and we share a closet or we share a kitchen, like what are you trying to learn? Like they don't put the dishes in the dishwasher? Right. Yeah. Like is that gonna ruin your marriage? Then right. you shouldn't get married. Yep. Like they leave their clothes on the <laughs> floor, you shouldn't get married. Yep. Like the questions we're answering by cohabitating mm-hmm. 
are questions that are not they shouldn't be deal breakers yep they're things you're gonna have to work through in marriage anyway yeah because that's that's the classic statement isn't Mm -hmm. it it's this idea of well we want to cohabitate and live together so we can figure out can we live together yeah well if you understand what real biblical marriage is and what the covenant is saying it's this idea of those are small things compared Mm -hmm. to the reality of what the big picture is in marriage or like i want to see them more it's like okay i love that i love that desire like you want to see and spend time with this person but how do you sacrifice and do that in dating and engagement so that in marriage that becomes even more special and Mm -hmm. and beautiful so there's just some thoughts kind of an offset shoot tangent but something we wanted to hit and talk about so last one marriage biblical passage marriage we decided to choose the most typical most read passage in most wedding ceremonies what is it wedding crashers isn't that yeah they they take up no that is owen wilson Wilson. and vince vaughn where they they make up (laughs) they make a bet in one of the weddings of all right what's the passage that's going to be read and they went the one says the colossians to something yeah, text yeah, yeah. and then the other one's like no i think it's first corinthians 13 it's always first corinthians 13 um which reads which is a beautiful text it actually is really really great first corinthians 13 for love is patient love is kind doesn't envy it does not boast it's not proud it doesn't dishonor others it's not self-seeking it's not easily angered it keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres and it says love never fails and we go to that because love is the foundation of any honestly relationship but especially marriage Mm. and so when we look at defining love we want to say what is how does god define love not how the world defines love and there's a reality where love here tells us that it's a choice Mm -hmm. and so i look at this and think holy crap like (laughs) and i love when uh couples tell me you love love i love love I love love and I love the way God defines love. Um, when they look at this, and it's the classic two thing of like, well, put your name where love is. Oh, you oh, can't yeah. do that thing. And then I get to go right into the reality of like, you can do this well as you pursue Jesus well. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm only able to love my wife better without the actual biblical definition of what love is as I allow myself want to be loved by God and love God more. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. just the reality is like, I'm able to love because he first loved us, First John. And so that's why we go to that passage. I think it's, it's really important and really good, um, but also it's really tough. Marriage can be hard yeah. if, if it's really like this, which is why, mm-hmm. what is your big picture of what marriage looks like? What are the big things? Mm-hmm. That's great. Anything else? I mean, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, no, I have practical <laughs> yeah. tips. I mean, communicate clearly. That's pretty simple. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's, that's really that important. <laughs> what is that phrase you always say? Communication. There's like three C words. Oh, yeah. So... Confusion creates chaos, yes. but clarity, uh, or communication, communication brings clarity or something. Which like that. brings something. What do I say? I don't know. It is good. But it's, it's a good really phrase, good. but I can't think of it right now. <laughs> we'll find it some other time. Confidence. There you go. Communication brings clarity, which can bring confidence. Oh. So like when I communicate fully, it brings mm-hmm. clarity to what one, my ex, especially expectations. So you, yeah. Most conflict happens because of unspoken and or unmet expectations. So when I can communicate clearly on what my expectations are, on not just a big picture but on a day-to-day thing Mm -hmm. especially with abby and and our relationship it brings clarity like oh i know what she expects of me and i know Mm -hmm. and now she knows what to expect of me Mm -hmm. and that brings confidence to here's how i can love her better here's how i can serve her better here's how we can pursue relationship better Mm -hmm. and it just is it's actually really good and we don't do it well i mean i should say that that way there's (laughs) moments where we are terrible at this Mm. and which is why 
I wish I remember Billy Graham's wife's name. I think it's Ruth. Yeah. She says the best marriage is the one that has the two best forgivers. Mm -hmm. So when we don't communicate well, when there's conflict that abounds, when I fail, because I will, which is why Abby doesn't expect me to be Jesus to her. And I can't give her what Jesus only can give her because I will fail her. But when I do that, that's where forgiveness abounds. And I can forgive well because I've been forgiven. Yeah. That's good. That's a great place to end. I love that. Focusing on forgiveness. In each and everything... Every one of these seasons, every one of the seasons you find yourself in, the most important thing is pursuing Jesus well. Yeah. Pursue Jesus well, like love God, be a part of a community that loves God, and you will be fine. And things may be hard, but even when they're hard, you have a a love and a passion for God and people who support you. And so that's the greatest piece of advice throughout the whole thing that we can give you. And so we love you. And if you have more questions, always feel free to DM us or contact us. Make sure to like and subscribe. Hey, (laughs) turn that bell on. We don't have YouTube. (laughs) All right, peace out. Bye.